If you want to be at the tip of the spear of sports performance, the answer is simple. Simply Faster is your insider's edge to maximize results with the highest quality premier sports equipment in the business. Visit Simply Faster and level up. But I figured uh, today I, I, I kind of put out there a couple conversations that people might have wanted to have about track and field or just in general subjects or ideas that they had in terms of what they wanted to see uh, for our discussion for today. And I kind of came down with, uh, you know, five ways to deal with haters in athletics. And obviously around the world, athletics means track and field. In the United States, that just means being a sportsman in in a variety of different uh, activities. Uh, Unfortunately for us in the world that we live in, in social media, we're more connected to people than we've ever been which is good. I wouldn't be able to talk with you guys and share with you guys if it wasn't for social media. But on the other hand, that allows people to feel as if they can say things or express things or do things that are very unkind um, to an athlete, to a coach, to a program, to a team. And there's a lot of people that like to play armchair quarterback, if you will, to use an American term, which is basically to judge the athletes and the, and the coaches in hindsight. Well, as they say, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And perspective is probably about 90% of reality. You know, it's your perspective that, you know, shapes how you view the world, how you move through the world, how you experience things. And so for us as fans of sport and fans of athletics, we take these things very personally. But if you're an athlete or a coach, one of the things you have to be aware of, if you've reached any kind of elite status or an elevated status of any kind, there are going to be people who are going to be rude, who are going to be, you know, criticizing of you and you have to come to expect it. And part of that kind of means you've, you've arrived You know, in some ways, if people are criticizing you and saying terrible things about you all the time, it means that, you know, you're you're right. You're you're important enough to pay attention to. And so in some ways, that's a compliment, right? Criticism sometimes can can be somewhat of a, a, a factor of showing that you're somewhat popular, that people feel strongly enough that they need to go out there and and say things about you. And people say all sorts of manners of things. You know, oh, that guy doesn't have the right coach. That athlete hasn't ran a PR. Oh, they spend a lot of time hurt. You know, and and people in this world that we live in, you know, a website known as Let's Run, okay, um, they're basically the inquirer of of track and field. And so it's this really kind of catch-22 because they do a good job of getting information out about the sport. And they have a message board, which is very unregulated. And so the stream of consciousness that comes through that message board is really cool. But unfortunately there are people who feel that they want to flex their keyboard muscles, if you will, and, and say horrible things about athletes, coaches, teams, training systems, ideas, whatever it may be. And they can hide behind a fake moniker or name or avatar and criticize you. I being just a local high school coach who wrote the sprinters compendium and things like that, I have been, subject of of criticism um, before, uh, currently, and I'm sure in in the future I'll be criticized. And one of those ways that I looked at it when I embarked on writing on the internet for the first time and sharing my thoughts and ideas about training, my wife and I discussed, which is my girlfriend at the time, but we discussed, if I'm going to start doing this, I have to be prepared 
to be criticized and I have to be okay with that. And I have to toughen up and thicken my skin a little bit. And so one of the things, uh, step, the number one thing here we get, get going, and this is step number one, is that you have to have the mindset that there will be criticism, that there are people that are going to hate on you and they're going to say things about you and just expect that that's going to come. Expect that something goes wrong without a doubt people are going to criticize you and question your judgment and question your coaching and things like that. On the flip side, um, if things go well, you know, obviously, you know, people are going to say things about you and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Hey, look how great he is, but there's also going to be haters. I mean, look at the whole debate between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, probably the two best basketball players in history. And we're trying to figure out who's better. My opinion is Michael Jordan is better. Don't hate on me because I say that. Okay. But you shouldn't hate me because of that opinion. It's just my opinion. It's nothing that we can ever prove, ever, you know, when we get within these smallest of margins to decide who's better or not. It's fun. It's enjoyable to talk about. It leads to good debate. So we have to expect that those conversations are going to happen. We have to expect that those things are going to be discussed and talked about. And if you know that ahead of time, you're going to be okay with it. You're going to understand that it's coming you're going to be prepared for it and you're going to be more likely to be able to handle it better. Now that isn't something that happens right away. It does take a little bit of time. So there's other things that I'm going to suggest to you guys today that can help you deal with kind of managing that frustration, managing that anger that comes from getting a little bit of thicker skin and having people criticize you. For example, when I was on, um, this website called mile split or let's run. There were people who doubted that I was even coaching the good athletes that I had. Now, meanwhile, at my school, everybody in the school knew I was coaching those kids and I was training those kids and creating their workouts and, and efforts. But when you have somebody who's really special in your program, they get a lot of attention and people are jealous of that. I had a young lady by the name of Emily Sisson, who many of you guys probably know if you're uh, track and field officiato of distance running in the United States because she's one of the fastest women on the planet. Uh, she's uh, you know a world championship finalist in the in the 10K and a highly highly talented young lady who you know is making you know tens of thousands of dollars now as a professional runner in the United States. But people were so critical; they thought I illegally recruited her to Parkway Central. They thought I wasn't coaching her. I wasn't training her. Now, I only trained her for a brief period of time, but I trained her for five months. And then she went on to set a personal best in the 800, in the mile, in the two mile, and then she became the national champ in the 5K later on in that summer. I was a part of that process. Was I the entire reason for her success? Absolutely not. Okay. But I played my role and I was, I was part of that. She plays the biggest role, the athlete themselves. That's one of the things if you're a coach, you have to understand the, the athlete is doing most of this. Our job is to steer them, to guide them, and to help them, right? So expect that there are going to be people that are going to talk trash about you and be haters and all that kind of stuff. Now, meanwhile, while, while Emily was there, we also had a girl that ran for Kansas University and was their captain, okay, who was transformed underneath my program. We had a young lady who was a world-ranked athlete in the 5,000, who is still, I think, the SEC record holder in the 5,000, Diane Robinson. We had another young lady who went to Baylor, and we had two other young ladies that went to SIUE Carbondale. Now, you could just say that I just got lucky and I had all this talent, and they were very, very talented, but there's obviously something else going on there that leads all these kids to be Division I athletes. I know that. 
I don't have to prove that to anybody. I know that I played a role in that. But I also am old enough now to know that wasn't me being the, the main factor in that process. Because a lot of times athletes will succeed in spite of you, like we talk about a lot. So these people talked all this trash. Well, then kids, one of the criticisms that was made is, oh, Ryan Bantz is a nice guy, but these athletes are going to other people to get training, which was completely false also. The athletes were going to our school. I had a young lady from St. Joseph Academy who ended up being the school record holder at SAU Carbondale in the steeplechase. She trained with me and I transformed her, you know, and she did that too with the girls and the athletes and the boys that were there. I had two twins that were training with me in the off season that are the two fastest miler twins in the United States, their senior year, uh, both of them running under uh, 410 for an actual mile, you know, the Everett twins. I coached both of them. Uh, I coached a young lady who is currently at Kansas University for another school and is one of the best all-around uh, female athletes in Missouri State history, and her name was Morgan Griffiths. And so these were all these kids that were training at the same time. And meanwhile, these people on the Internet, on like a website like Let's Run, were saying, oh, people are going to these other places, which, again, everybody knew that wasn't true. That was directly connected with me. But anybody looking outside, looking in, who didn't know personally you know, and was there at Parkway Central would have no clue. But I have to be okay with that type of criticism. You have to be okay with that type of criticism because ultimately at the end of the day, people are going to say, well, you train this way or that's too much volume or that's too little volume. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. And here's how you respond. And this, and I'll move on to point number two. You respond by saying this, look, at the end of the day, you do what you do and I'll do what I do. And 10 years from now, we'll see who has more relative success. And I feel pretty comfortable about where I'm going to finish in that one-on-one -on -one competition. And that's it. And that's where you leave it. Okay. Now, number two, before you respond to a lot of these people, and this is something that took me a long time to learn, you have to take a breath. And that's just in life. This isn't just in athletics. If you're about to reach a conflict or, or a dispute with someone, you have got to breathe. Take a moment. Take your time. Breathe before you respond. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go through the process of counting to 100 or counting to 10. One of the things I like to do is if I'm about to respond, I'll write down on my little notepad, which I don't know if you guys are ever aware. I've got a little notepad here, which is how I run through my thoughts. But um, I'll write down the things that I feel like I want to say. And then once I see it on paper, I look at it. Some of that stuff seems very silly. And so that stuff gets thrown out. But <clears throat> there might be some strong points in there that I feel like need to be discussed. And then I, without the rage and anger and emotions that we're all victim to, by the way, you take a moment to breathe and say, okay, how can I say this in a constructive way where, first of all, I don't get fired. Second of all, I can do it respectfully. And third of all, how, maybe I can be kind when I do this too. Because if you do it in that way, you're not just going, well, this is what I want to say and I'm going to make my big point. Instead, you might have a productive conversation that can lead to an understanding, that can lead to um, maybe improving the relationship, fixing the problem, dealing with it. Because I've been on the other side. I, I went into a 12-round knockdown, drag-out fight with this guy, um, and we'll just call him Evan, okay, on a website, and it ruined the website because it was such a tit-for-tat and the message board was destroyed. And I played just as much a, a role in that, even though this guy was being extremely rude and the things he was saying were categorically false. 
Um, me engaging him immediately, anger, trying to make my point was not the right way. And truth be told, you know, if you're doing this stuff on your work hours or during the time that you're supposed to be doing your job, you know, you could get fired for stuff like that. In the, in the age that we live in where people can screenshot everything and show what you were saying, you have to be very, very careful. You're just one off comment from getting fired. And sometimes you could get fired for just engaging those people, even if you're being cordial and, and trying to be as professional as you possibly can. So taking a moment, taking a moment to breathe, looking at things, having some time. And depending on the serious nature, the long-term consequences of responding to an issue that you're very upset about or very mad about because somebody's attacking your person, criticizing you as a human being, the more important it is to take additional time. One of the things I'll, I'll tell people if I'm in a situation now where I'm not going to respond in a, in a very positive way, I will tell them, I am not comfortable talking about this now. I need some time to process allow me to process, and then I can come back to you and we can have a constructive conversation about this topic. So, and don't be afraid to, to say that to someone. Don't be afraid to, to tell someone I need this amount of time. It's okay to do. It's totally okay to do. Don't be afraid of it. Okay. Number three, kind of building off of that, social media kindness. The more kind you can be on social media, the better. You know, I, I catch myself all the time. I'm about to respond to something like there's a very controversial issue right now when it comes to transgendered athletes competing against uh, biologically female athletes. Tra they, they're biologically male and they're competing against female biological athletes with no transitional process going along. That's a very touchy subject. Um, people are very passionate about it. People are very angry about it. So if you're going to wade into those waters because you feel that it's important to raise awareness or you feel like it's important to have that conversation, you cannot allow yourself to get into a tit for tat with, with anger and heat. It's better to be kind, you know? Um, and, and when you come from an angle of kindness with social media, it's always going to work out better for you. I've had people criticize me because if you know me, you might've been hit up by me to get my book. Because if you're a friend with me on Facebook, I'm going to, con eventually you will be contacted by me. And some people don't like that. They're like, I can't believe you would do this. Why would you contact me in this way and, and talk about your book? That's a really bad marketing scheme. And, they're, and then they might block you and, and they're very rude. My job is not to go into them and try to make some point and make them feel bad on the day. I said, well, I, you know, I understand. I know that this isn't necessarily the way that a lot of people would like a product to be brought to them. But I can't tell you, I, I, out of 50 plus people that I contact, you know, for every 50 people that I contact that are friends with me on Facebook, only one of those people might even respond like that. And most of the time they, if they don't respond, then my job is not to harass them. That's part of being, being kind is to say, Hey, I'm raising awareness. I'm telling you, I've got this product available. It's really cool. I'm really proud of it. You may not know. And what's really cool about that is out of those 50 people, I'd say 50% of those 50 people didn't even know that the book existed with all this stuff that I put on the internet and all the things I've shared on there. You know, these are the types of things that like, you know, people might get mad about, but it's okay, but you still got to do your job. You still got to do your job. You know, this is, this is me trying to make money, but ultimately it's also me trying to raise awareness and, and help kids across the world and help athletes across the world. You know, so yeah, 
It's me trying to sell a book, but it's also me trying to spread the word. And some people might not like that. Some people might not want that. You know, some people, because you put yourself out there, you stick your neck out there, then you become a know-it-all where they're like, oh, hey, Ryan Banta thinks he's a good coach. Just ask him. Well, I'm not going to help those people anyway because they don't have the right attitude towards me. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean that I don't have something to offer someone. It doesn't mean you don't have something to offer. You know, I'm an only child, so I talk, I'm a centrist. And I, and I know that. And it's okay. You know, and you got to be okay with who you are. But if you're passionate about something and, and you want to have something, go out there and, and, and share it. But just remember, you got to be kind and you got to understand that not everybody's going to respond to you in a positive way. Before I became a coach, I had a very short career as a person who was a can- kind of like a, I wouldn't call it a campaign manager, but I was on staffs for different uh, political candidates. And I will never, ever, ever share with you who I was working with. But ultimately, like you go to the door because you believe in this person you want them to get elected. You believe in their platform. And so you go into these neighborhoods. And some of these neighborhoods you know are going to be hostile. But you got to go to the door knowing and expecting that this might not go well. So my job is not to anticipate with anger, but to anticipate that it's not going to go well with kindness. And so on social media, it's so important to be kind. If somebody friends me now on, on Twitter, for example, you know, I will say thank you for, for following me on Twitter. You know, because I think it's important to to say thanks that you think I'm, you know, an interesting enough point of view or, or a person to pay attention to. And, you know, if somebody criticizes you on Facebook, your job is not to attack them. Your job is just to explain your case and always do it from a position of, you know, that's your point of view. This is what I think, you know, and respectfully, we, we just disagree, you know, and it's OK at some point to just say, you know, we've reached an impasse. One of the funniest uh, little things I've seen a meme is where it's got like a pie chart of people's. It says people's opinions changed on Facebook, people's opinions that have never been changed by Facebook or something like that. And, and the pie chart is completely the color of people's opinions have not been changed. You know, and because of social media, we travel down these silos where we're looking for people who think like us because of confirmation bias. So if a person's brave enough to talk to you about something, and share with you, you need to be kind because it's an opportunity for you guys to share and discuss, which is rare on social media. So if you're kind, you can get your point across. You might be able to have an enlightening discussion where education can happen two ways and uh, come with a better uh, appreciation for that person and more respect for that person. You know, one of the things that uh, when I didn't understand a lot of the stuff, there were people out there that said to me, you know, hey, uh, this guy, uh, I'll call him Matt. Matt said to one of my buddies, he goes, man, you know, I just met that Ryan Banta guy and uh, he's not as big of a jerk as I thought he was. <laughs> you know, now, thankfully that was over a decade ago, but you know, looking back on that, he was right. My persona that I put out there on message boards and stuff like that was this aggressive opinionated guy. And I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And thankfully that person, that coach Matt gave me an opportunity to build that relationship. And now he and I are very, very close and we work together on a lot of things and he's helped me out and I've helped him out and he's given me a forum to talk. If you've ever seen some of my videos that are the Dutch clinic, he's the guy that puts those, those clinics on and has given me an opportunity to share uh, many, many times at that clinic. And I'm very, very thankful for that. And, you know, thousands of people have viewed those videos. So 
you know, if it wasn't for an opportunity uh, for me to rebuild that relationship and having a self-awareness that I needed to improve, I wouldn't have gotten that. Okay. All right. Number four, another way to deal with haters is try to keep things in house. And what I mean by that is not like sweeping the ugly things under the rug or hiding skeletons or anything like that, but like be very careful with who you allow into your circle of trust in terms of who you share the problems that are going on within your program with, who you decide to let into that world, who you allow to help. I have in my program, I have a, what I call the Holy Trinity of therapy and coaching. And at the top, the coach is the most important. And then you have your physical therapist and you have your doctor, you know, and those are the people that are in that triangle. And these people that you send your athletes to have to be somebody that you trust and that you know, because if not, then there's not that relationship of respect. There are a lot of people that I call vultures. I can't tell you how many people said that they coached a specific athlete or did this or that. I had a coach um, in a summer track club that said that, well, you know, Bance's athletes are only really good because of all the work that we did with them. And he takes credit for it. Now, if one of my athletes ran for him or trained with him, learning what I learned, I, I probably would not respond. But the reality was that person and the people that heard that needed to be told, well, he's never coached anybody I've ever trained. He's never coached one of my kids. There are summer track clubs that I'm not affiliated with that do coach some of my kids. And that's okay. But I'd rather them stay in-house. I'd rather them be on my club. But that takes a large responsibility on my part. You, know, you want your kids to train in the off-season, and you want to have a say in what they do, then you need to be involved in that club that they're working with, or you start your own club, or you train those athletes yourself in the off season, both in the winter and the summer. If not, expect that there are from time to time will be people who you don't necessarily agree with that are going to work with your kids. And guess what? You're going to have to be okay with that. If not, then it's going to be a cantankerous negative relationship that you're always going to have that you need to expect is just not going to be very pleasant. Um, and there are always going to be people who are going to say, well, that guy, oh, I can't believe you did this. Or, you know, and, and part of that's the sale job that they're trying to do to get kids into their program and to work with those athletes. You know, uh, I'm very, very careful with who I criticize around young people because they're so impressionable. And as an adult, if you're the coach, it's your job to be very respectful of those other people that are in their lives or who they work with. And you have to be very careful how you craft statements to them to get them to understand why you do what you do and try not to say anything about why they do what they do. Just say, this is why we do our thing. This is how we do our program. This is why we do it this way, you know, and I'm glad that they're having success but here's where we're at and this is what we're trying to accomplish. And if you have that kind of conversation about us versus them all the time, you know, you don't need to be focused on them. You need to be focused on us, we, our, you know, and keeping those things in house will really help you. And so that's why, you know, I've only got a few people that I ultimately trust to work with my athletes in the off season. Cause most of the time, you know, I can take care of a lot of that stuff myself, but if I don't feel like I can, or I don't have time, like, especially in the summer, you know, I've got to be around 
my kiddos. I got to spend time with my wife. I've got to take a break because for nine months out of the year, I am pedal to the metal. But, you know, currently we have a summer track program, which I'm going to be going to here in about a half an hour where kids come to my school and some of my athletes are part of the program and athletes from four or five other high schools come work with us because I trust that group of coaches that are there and they have the right attitude about, you know, helping young people and making them better and doing it as a group. And it's kind of like having a relay baton where you pass the athlete from one coach to another and you're a team, but that's a rare relationship. And those people have to earn your trust and they, and you need to earn their trust too, you know? And so that takes a long time. So try to keep things in the house. Don't have all these specialists and all these different kinds of people because you're ultimately going to get mixed signals. And that's at the end of the day, will create opportunities for haters to arise. Okay. Last thing. Um, and this is the most important one. When you do make a mistake or you do something wrong and people are ultimately going to judge you for it, but you're aware that you made a mistake too. It's very important to say, I'm going to own that. I'm owning my mistakes. I'm owning my problems. You know, it says, uh, success has a thousand fathers and, and failure is an orphan said by JFK. It's true. Okay. When you fail, it's very easy to point to other people and to become a hater, to become a hater of the kid, to become a hater of a situation, to become a hater of someone else, another adult, a person who's playing interference, their parents. Okay. But ultimately you as a coach have got to figure out ways to make that athlete better. I had a young lady named Kara Stark, who is a phenomenal athlete and uh, Kara really had, was having a difficult time competing. She had soul-crushing sports-induced anxiety. I know we talked about that last time. And, and uh, I told her that, you know, I failed her as a coach, that it's my job to be better, to prepare her, to unlock her talent, to allow her to succeed and to create an environment where she has as, le- as little of that really soul-crushing anxiety and to fuel it into positive performance as possible. And so what did I do? I decided to join the Mizzou Positive Psychology Program, you know, for that. I'm, my master's is because of Kara Stark. Now, what's really awesome is that a, a university, Butler University, told Kara that she can run for them. And if you look at Kara's senior track season, her times dropped dramatically. She improved amazing. She had the very best season she's ever had. It was a state qualifier in the 4 by 8 mile and two mile stud and she realized all the talent that she had but i made a mistake because it shouldn't been reliant upon a coach outside my program to empower my athlete it's good that they did and i am so thankful for them and Kara is still running today and and running prs and and doing great and things aren't always easy because they aren't but that was on me i made a mistake And so my job as a coach is to get better at that. And I'm working really hard to get better at that because I don't want somebody to have an experience like Kara where it takes her till her senior year to realize that. I want those athletes to be comfortable and to have the skill sets to deal with that stress in a positive way and to become gritty sooner. Another thing that I did one time I was traveling with kids and, you know, we talk about this, they're precious cargo. And we were trying to get to a hotel because we were at a travel meet 
and we were trying to get there and we were on the road for a really long time and we were speeding and one of the parents you know called me out on that and said how is it possible that you're able to get from x to to a in so many you know to so many minutes you know and and everything you had to have been speeding and they were right and i apologized i owned up to it and i said our program's better than that we're going to be better than that and i will never do that again you know because i am endangering people by doing that whether i you know, think my driving skills are great or not. That doesn't matter. That's, you own that. There's no excuses. You don't yell. You don't deny. You own up to it. It's better to do that, you know, and then work on ways of getting better, you know, at at dealing with those situations and picking and choosing what you're going to do. So one of the things we did is we did a travel meet where the athletes race at night on a Saturday, which allowed us to travel on Friday and get there as late as we needed to. And then we had an opportunity to sleep in and then, you know, make the rest of the trip over to the, to the track meet. And these are things that are simple that aren't, you know, difficult, but you know, when somebody calls you on something you've done and you've done it, it's your job to own up to it. Now it may take a moment to breathe. You probably don't want to express that to anybody else outside of your house keep those things in house, prepare that people are going to criticize you when you do something like that, be aware of it, be ready for it, accept it, you know, and be as kind as you possibly can in how you're going to rectify that and be better because ultimately that rests at your feet. Guys, thank you. This is a long one. Um, I hope you guys got something out of this, how to deal with haters and people that, you know, are going to naturally criticize you. If you guys have any comments, please, you know, share them below. Don't be afraid to share this video. Um, The more people that can see this, the better, Um, you know, in terms of using my life experiences and my mistakes as opportunities for them to learn through me vicariously so that they don't make those mistakes too. Um, And if you got any ideas, what you want me to have future talks about, please let me know. And uh, I'll be happy to address those in the future. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon.